Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Uh, Let's go over to the book of Ezekiel chapter 34. And I want to continue with this that we've been on. uh, Well, I say that we've been on. We ministered last week on revival. And, uh, you know, when you talk about revival, uh, I know something about revival. And, uh, you know, when people talk about church, you got to understand something. Church is all I've ever known. I mean, I've never, you know, I heard Mark Hankins say one time, and I agreed with him, I could, I could uh, relate. He said, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. My mama drugged me to church on Wednesday, drugged me to church on Sunday. Amen. <clears throat> and so my point is that this is all I've ever known. I mean, uh, of course, I've made mistakes in my life, but uh, being in the presence of God around the moving of the Spirit, uh, it's all I've ever known. And, uh, you know, from, from the time I was just a kid, I got born again when I was eight. I mean, uh, and I'll soon be 55, so you do the math. I mean, uh, uh, that's... Uh, what, 47 years, you know, I've been around the things of God uh, uh, and knowing God, and uh, maybe at times in my life I haven't been as on fire as I should have been, but my point is, is, uh, you know, that's all I ever knew. My father was an evangelist. He was an evangelist till the day he died. I mean, he was planning meetings up till the time that he went to heaven, and my mom's still preaching, uh, and close to 80 years old and still traveling and preaching, and... Uh, so, you know, I remember very distinctly always knowing God had something for me to do. I didn't necessarily know what. You know, you would go places and people would, uh, whatever you want to call it, prophesy over you or give you a word or whatever, you know, that there was a plan of God for your life. Uh, but I remember distinctly uh, when I was 10 years old, we went to a, a tent meeting uh, in Florida and uh, the man of God uh, that was there he asked my mother to, to bring me to the front, and he prophesied over my life. And many of the things that he's prophesied over my life when I was 10 years old, I'm walking in them today. And so my point is, is when we talk about revival, uh, revival, though, what it became to us, and we had, when we had revivals, we had revivals. I mean, it wasn't a three-day little dabble, do you? I mean, it was, it was three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I mean, every night. We lived in Mansfield, Ohio, uh, um, and we would drive for a solid month. We drove back and forth to Cincinnati. We were in meetings in Cincinnati, Ohio, and for a solid month, we drove back and forth and uh, just saw tremendous things. You know, I was speaking at my dad's memorial service, and, uh, you know, people have said, uh, now, uh, you know, well, you know, you were traveling and you missed a lot. We did. I mean, what I mean is I was tra- we were traveling with our parents, and so we never lived anywhere more than two years. I mean, and so, your rela- you know, your relationships are hindered. But, and people say, boy, you missed a lot. Yeah, but, boy, I got in on a lot, too, like blind eyes being open, people getting out of wheelchairs, demons being cast out, deaf ears being open, see people come to the altar and get saved. Amen. And so revival is something that, that 
in that sense of the word, I've been around all my life. But the point is, is that revival is not a series of meetings. Revival is a spirit. It's an anointing. It is a move of God. And what we are moving into is found here in Ezekiel 34 and verse uh, 23. Ezekiel 34, and we'll start in verse 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he will feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he will be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace and cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them, now notice, and I will make faith builders and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. And there shall be showers of blessing. The more we understand about what God is doing in our fellowship, the more we'll be able to enter into it. The more we understand, the more we'll be able to enter into it, the more we'll be able to enjoy it. Notice that God here is talking about His people. He's talking about His flock. And He says, notice that it will be a hill of blessing. We are the hill of blessing. Amen. We call ourselves this because we will to. I will to call this place the hill of blessing. When, when God brought the animals to Adam, he brought them to Adam, and he said, you call the animals what you want to call them. You decide what they're going to be called. I decide what I'm called. I decide what the church is called, what the fellowship is called, and I decide to call us a hill of blessing. Praise God. Amen. Spiritually, God is saying, notice, I will pour out showers of blessing. I will pour out showers of blessing. Now, here's the thing about showers. Is it'll rain for a little while, and then it'll calm down, and then it'll rain again. That's what's going on right now. And that's what's going on right now in the spirit. It'll rain, it'll rain a little here, then it'll rain a little here, then it'll calm down. And then it'll start raining again. Amen. That's what's going on. We have to be careful that we don't try to control the rain ourselves. And we just let the showers happen. We just let the showers happen. How, How do we make sure we don't do that? So we're not striving for a certain kind of service. We're not striving for things to be the same every time we come together. It's we want these showers of blessing to happen and to occur as the Spirit wills. And I understand that there are people that go too far with that. I have something to say about it. But here's the point. When you have the flow of God in your service and you have the flow of the Holy Spirit in your services, then what begins to happen is you begin to experience revival. Revival is not so much a reviving of a dead thing as it is bringing something to a new sense and a new purpose. And so what the church has called revival over the years is kind of a misnomer because what God does in revival is remind people of their purpose, remind people of the plan He has for them, and renew their sense of urgency where it's concerned. Amen. Look at Zechariah chapter 14. 
Zechariah chapter 14. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because what I can say is that your purpose is bigger now than it's ever been. And your purpose is more important now than it's ever been. Amen. Amen. Because those that have the answer, you, you've got to remember something, is that the Bible says this in the book of Ezekiel. It said if there's a watchman on the wall, and he says, and he sees the sword coming, and he doesn't blow the trumpet, then he's going to be held responsible for those that get caught up in the judgment. The purpose, the plan of God on your life is more important now than it's ever been because more people need to know the truth now than have ever needed to know it in the history of the world. Amen. Amen. We're charged with rebuilding people's lives. The local church is the only place that a person can come into the church with their life having crumbled, with the walls of their life having fallen apart, and they can come and sit under the anointing and sit under the Word, and inside of six months, their lives are rebuilt, their lives are changed, their home is transformed. Why? Because the local church is the hope of the world. It's the change agent in the world. And God will, somebody asked Brother Hagin one time, they, before he died, they said, what is God doing right now? And he said, the local church. He said, God's about building strong local churches. God, listen, and, and you, you do whatever you want to do with, with this. The day is over where they have, the, where, where the big auditorium meetings are where people are calling it revival. What's happening right now and should have been happening all along is the local church. God showing up in the local church and changing the city from the ground up. Changing the city from a place where the people of God are stationed and situated and stayed in that area. And the showers of blessings will begin to be poured out on the church and on the city because we're here and we're contending for revival. Oh, glory. Amen. So Zechariah 14 and verse 17. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Now, of course, this is during the millennial reign of Christ. The thousand year period after the rapture of the church. But notice it says there will be no rain. There'll be no blessing on what they're doing. Then in Acts chapter 2, and verse 16, Peter, after the day of Pentecost had fully come, he said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. So this concept of showers of blessings all has to do with the spirit of God coming on people. It all has to do with the Spirit of God coming on people, coming on congregations, 
coming on cities, coming on nations. Amen. If we want to be under these showers of blessing, then like those in the millennial reign, we're going to have to be in the place where they're coming out. If I want to be under them, I've got to be where they're coming out. Hallelujah. This can be your place. Not this. This is your place. This, what I mean, is where the blessing is coming out. That can be your place. But I have to be where they're coming out. I have to be where they're being poured out. Where you are, where you go to church, who you're associated with is more important now than it's ever been. Amen. You cannot afford to bounce around from place to place. Because there's a place God has for you that He wants you to stay. A lady came to Fred Price one time. He was preaching in a church, and this many years ago, of course, he's still direct in his 80s as he was in his 50s. But a lady came up to him and asked him a question. And he said, Sister, where do you go to church? She said, Oh, I don't have a home church. I just go wherever the Lord directs. He said, Oh, so you're a spiritual fly. And she said, What do you mean by that? And he said, You're of absolutely no spiritual good whatsoever. The only way you can be of use to the kingdom of God is that you get planted somewhere and begin to operate the way God wants you to operate. That way the showers of blessings can come on your life, the blessings can come on your church, the blessings can come on your family, and you experience revival. This concept is all about the Spirit of God coming on people. The Holy Spirit has never stopped moving. It's just many times when He shows up, the people He wants to show up and move on are not there. Amen. Do you see this? So it's not God's intention in this time of revival and showers of blessings for people to run here and there finding hot spots. Well, it's over here. It's over here. No, it's right here. It's, it's right where God called you. Amen. It's right where God called you. I said to you last week, faith builders is not just where you go. Faith builders is what you are. You are a faith builder. This is where, if this is where God called you, this is where God will bless you. This is where God will heal you. This is where God will prosper you. This is where God will deliver you. Amen. Do you see that? I remember in the days of the Brownsville revival. And I'm not against that. I went to Brownsville. I experienced it. It was powerful. Uh, But we, we were having Friday night services. And we had Friday night services. I'll tell you why we had Friday night services. Because the first year that we were pastors in Kansas, uh, it, was, it was a challenge. Because there are people that wanted to hold on to the reins of the, of the, the buggy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it was in the bylaws of that church when I took it that you could not preach out of any version but the King James Bible. Wow. Now, I, that's what I use. I, I like the King James. Uh, but uh, one brother told me the reason that was there was this was the most anointed version. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. But my point is, uh, uh, I, I figured out a way around that. But in, in any event, we had to start this Friday night service, and here's why. None of those religious people would come on Friday night. Yeah. 
And man, we attracted all of these young people that were just hungry for the Word of God. And we, man, we were having some services. I mean, you remember, we were having some services. I mean, people laid out, and not, not just the manifestation, the power of the Word. And we started attracting revival seekers because of, of the season we were in. We weren't trying to have a revival. If, if you just show up and start obeying God, revival will find you. Amen. I had somebody one time, they heard somebody preaching and saying, you know, the church has got to get back to miracles and signs and wonders. And he came to me and said, Pastor, what church do they go to? We see those things all the time. What, right? Steve Pitnick, who goes to the church there in Kansas, he got born again in our jail ministry that I, I uh, Bible study, substance abuse class I taught for 12, 13 years. And uh, I, I'm the only pastor he's ever had. We're the only church he's ever attended. And uh, so he don't know anything else. And he was working in a Baptist church one time. Him and his brother do remodeling and whatnot, and they were do, working for a, a Baptist church, big Baptist church. And uh, he was talking to one of the girls there, and he said, well, uh, uh, do y'all pray for people here? She goes, no. He goes, people don't come and get prayed for when they're sick? No. He said, y'all ever see anybody healed? No. And he came to me and said, Pastor, are there really churches that do that that way? And I said, yes, there is. He goes, glad that's not my church. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. He was born in revival. He doesn't know anything but the moving of the Spirit and the moving of the things of God. And so we started this Friday night revival service and people started coming from different cities because they were chasing the hot spot. It wasn't that they wanted anything from God necessarily. They wanted the hot spot. They wanted to laugh. They wanted to, to, to have the manifestations. And they started having manifestations that were physical in nature and not spiritual in nature because they were chasing the hot spot. And what it started doing was hindering people that were there for the right reasons. God doesn't want people going here and going there. And this is where the move of God's at. And this is where the move of God's at. The move of God is where it's always been. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in their midst. Amen. And the prescribed meeting place... In the Bible, for His people, is the local church. Amen. Amen. Now notice. Oh, hallelujah. God desires that our place, our church, be the place where the showers of blessings are being poured out. We're to be the hot spot. We're to be the hot spot. This is so important. Because what God is moving us into, the things, there are things that are unprecedented. There are things that huh, the enemy will always overplay his hand. Always. I've heard people say different things, and, and I don't pay attention to them. I, I, I try to listen to what the Word says. But the enemy has done everything that he could do in the season that we're living in to cause disunity among people, to cause there to be a separation among people, People are afraid of people. People are scared of each other. And, 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 and I'm not getting into all that. I'm trying to tell you how the enemy's using it. I believe there are people that are trying to do the right thing. But this is how the enemy's using it. 
He's, he's setting up this blockade. Revival requires unity. Revival requires the people of God being in one mind and one accord and one place going after the things of God. The enemy has overplayed his hand because he's caused so much destruction that people are searching for reality more now than they ever have before. And the things that they've tried to lean on in the past are no longer working. And the Spirit of the Lord God says that I have specifically positioned you for where you're at so that you could be a healer of broken hearts, a mender of broken spirits, and a revival of dead people. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh Lord, I'll say that. I hear bones rattling. I hear bones rattling. He took the prophet and he said, let me ask you a question. This valley of dead bones. He said, can they live again? And the prophet said, Lord, you know. And he said, I begin to hear a rattling as that spirit of God began to move. And he said, bone joined to bone. And they stood up an exceeding great army. But there was no breath in them. That is significant of people that are there and they have no hope and they have no spirit of God and they have no life on the inside of them. They're trying to put things back together, but they can't seem to get it done. The spirit of God's going to come on them. They're going to join in with the things of God and they're going to be an army my God turns bones into armies hallelujah hallelujah always hope there's always hope amen he said can they live he said you know amen do you see this this is so important Glory to God. We're the hot spot. We're where God wants to pour things out. Amen. Now, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good to us, isn't He? I got things all turned around. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So He said, Concerning this, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this concept of having rivers of living water, rivers of the Spirit coming on us, is this concept of revival. Hallelujah. Amen. And the local church, the place where we're at, the place where we're seated, the place that we're a part of, is where God desires to move the most. To move the greatest. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God is good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For of the times and seasons, I've spoken of at length in my word. And the things that have been said over and over again concerning the things that were coming on the earth. In this season, in this year of 2020, you have seen many of those things come. You have seen things that many did not not 
ever think they would ever see that have come on the earth. But I've already got 2021 in my sights. I've already got a plan for it. I've already begun to speak to many about it. I have said to this body that 2021 will be a year of light and magnificent victory. And that many will be more hungry for the word than they've ever been before. And that as a strong man desires food, they will desire the word on a level that they have never desired it before. So prepare yourself because the times and the seasons that the world is facing are not capable of stopping what I've promised and they are not capable of hindering what I have declared to you both through the word and through the giving of, of prophecy and the giving of a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. This shall be the latter part of this year. Spiritually speaking, says the Lord, will be a time of refreshing and a time of renewal and a time of return. And great things will be seen. And not in the clichéic sense, not in the sense that many will say, well, great things are going to happen. No, manifestations. Manifestations in a measure that has never been seen before. Mm. And it shall come to pass that even as was spoken earlier, the dry bones will live again. And there are many things, there are many situations that the enemy, especially in this season, has done his best to try to make you see and feel and believe that that's impossible. It cannot come back again. But look, look at the Lord head of the church. Look at his example. Crucified, buried, stone rolled over the mouth of his grave. In the earth three days and three nights. Going to hell to secure redemption. Nothing in the history of mankind has ever looked more hopeless. But on the third day he rose. Resurrection is about to occur. Restoration is about to occur. So even tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow and you turn out the light, take a few moments and laugh out loud because the things I've promised are around the corner. <laughs> and when they show up, you won't be surprised. Oh, but you'll be joyful and you'll dance and shout because I've done just what I said. Yes, I brought it about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Do you believe that? Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Hallelujah. That's Acts 2, forgive me, Acts 3. <laughs> Whew. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He says in verse 19 of Acts 3, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he will send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. So we have two R's here. Repent and refreshing. The third R is return. Repent, refreshing, and return. Repentance, refreshing, and return. The way that God is able to pour Himself out on a congregation is when the congregation wills to walk in righteousness. When they will to walk in holiness. Amen. And they repent of anything that may be out of line in their lives. And be washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. When, when, no, I'll say that again. That's the way God's able to pour himself out on a congregation. Is when the congregation wills to walk in righteousness. Now remember righteousness is right standing with God. You've got a will to do that. You've got a will to do that. I was preaching last night to the Saturday night group that when, when you look at, at 2 Corinthians 5.21, you not only see righteousness, you see approval. God approves of us. You've got a will to walk in that. If, 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 if you're going to see revival, you've got a will to walk in righteousness. Righteousness, it, righteousness is not conduct, it's standing. I am right with God. And when I understand I'm right with God, it affects my conduct. Righteousness and holiness are two different things. Holiness is that standard of conduct, that standard of set-apartness. Righteousness is what enables me to walk in holiness. Righteousness came first, not holiness. Amen. So he said, when they're willing to repent of anything that may be out of line in their lives and be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So the answer to anything that's out of line in a person's life is repent. That's always the way out. Always the way out. The Holy Spirit pours Himself out on all flesh, but all flesh won't be refreshed by Him because you have to repent. Notice what He said. Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So where we're at is in those times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And, and, and maybe not necessarily you or, or someone in this room, but there are people that the Holy Spirit wants to refresh. They got to repent. Amen. Hallelujah. Refreshing always comes after repentance. Refreshing always comes after repentance. Always. You, people have a diff, different words for it. Oh, I just, I repented and it just felt like the weight of the world lifted off me. Refreshing. 
oh, I repented to the Lord about that. Or if you repent to someone, if you go to somebody and say, I missed it, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said what I said, I repent to you, I ask you to forgive me, a refreshing comes. Amen. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not dead and in need of revival. They need refreshing. Amen. Refreshing. This refreshing comes, where does it come from? The presence of the Lord. Is that what it says? When the Holy Spirit manifests, that's where we will get the refreshing. That's where we'll get the refreshing. We have to have the consistent moving of the Holy Spirit in our services for there to be a refreshing. Dr. T.L. Lowry said this. He said, we must always give adequate respect to the person of the Holy Spirit in the services that we conduct. Why? So that refreshing can come. Hallelujah. After the refreshing is the return. Jesus is just around the corner. Amen. Now, I told you, I've been in this all my life. I've been hearing all my life. Jesus is coming again. Well, He is. Amen. If I go by the way of the grave, I'll go to the grave saying Jesus is coming again. Because He is. It's a promise. But listen, the times of refreshing and then there's the return. Then there's the return. God right now, listen, God right now is preparing His church. The church is being prepared for the return of Jesus. The church is being prepared for the rapture because it's going to come. Amen. The rapture of the church is imminent. It's going to happen. But I know this, that before the rapture of the church, there will be a magnificent refreshing that occurs. Amen. Notice in Luke chapter 11. Am I helping you with this? Luke chapter 11. Oh, glory to God. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he, Jesus, said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door's shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot arise and give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. Now, we could say it this way. He won't get out of bed because this guy's his friend. Yet, because of his importunity. The Amplified Bible says his shameless persistence and insistence. One translation, the new, the, the, the new English Bible says, his sheer persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. As the showers of blessing increase and continue, we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit not to get in a rut. Not, not to feel like we have to have a certain type of service every time or a certain length of service. Amen. A certain type of service, certain length of service. One time, Brother Hagen made a statement. There's a, there's a minister in, in Australia, Tony Caminetti, him and his wife Patsy. 
And Tony worked for Brother Hagin for a number of years. And Brother Hagin made a statement one time, and he made this statement. He said uh, uh, that he was uh, under a special heavy anointing. He was walking into a service, and a person grabbed him, started asking him questions, and he said, he pulled me out of that anointing. And, and Tony said this. He said, I made a decision right there uh, that when I was helping him before service not to ask him any questions. And now, now here's what I want you to get, to get out of this is he said, one night we were getting ready to go in service, and I turned to him and I said, Dad, could I ask you a question? He said, and all of a sudden it, it hit me. Wait a minute. I'm asking him a question. And he said, I, I apologize. I said, no, I want to apologize to you because, uh, you know, I don't want to pull you out of that. And he stopped him and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, it's not that way every service. He said, most services, I know what I'm going to teach on, and I already know what I'm going to teach on. You can't hurt anything by asking questions. He said, when I, when I said that, that was a specific instance about a particular heavy anointing that was on me. It's not that way every time. Every service that we come to is not going to be just like the service last week or the service two weeks ago. The anointing can be just as heavy and manifest in a different way. You can, the reason why churches dry up and die is they get in a rut and it's not that they won't change, they won't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. When you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and you manifest those, those services like He's asking you to, you won't get in a rut. We have to be very careful not to get in a rut. Amen. I, I am always determined to be a church that you can't define by natural, normal, human terms. I'm not a white church. I'm not a black church. I'm not a Hispanic church. I'm the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a church that looks like my city. And that's what we're supposed to be. Amen. Are you following me? But, but you'll go to churches... And maybe the spirit's not moving or the people aren't responding the way they think they need to be responding and they'll sing everybody's favorite song. Because that'll get everybody hopping. That's a rut. That's depending on natural human emotion more than the spirit of God. You're, you're a poor preacher if you need people to shout at you for you to have anything to say. Amen? I've had preachers say, oh, my church, my church is just dead. You know, that would bother me, being the person that feeds them. Amen. And I, I've, I've told some preachers before, you know, you get up and complain about the people. You're the one preaching. Come on. That's it. That's it. Amen. Hallelujah. My point is you can get into a rut and you can start, you can start being led by human emotion and led by things that are not the Holy Spirit. And that kills revival. That's why just people bouncing off the walls and rolling on the floor and running and we do all that and we love it. That's not revival. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and people responding that way. Amen. 
But, but, but what about when those holy hushes roll in? What about when the presence of God shows up and it's like we're just in this cloud and we don't want to move and we don't want to speak? We can't have that every service either. But that's just as much the Holy Spirit moving as when people are running and jumping and dancing and shouting. And as believers, we have to mature and progress and become sensitive to His leading and His moving, whatever His manifestation is. And we know if it's shouting and running and jumping, I want to get into it. Maybe I don't dance, but I want to get into it and be joyful. If it's quiet and calm and everybody's a holy hush, I want to be involved in that too. Don't allow yourself to get into a rut. Amen. Do you see this? Glory to God. I've seen that before. You know, the, the praise team will start, and, and, and you know the praise team prays, and, 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 and they live right, and they do right, and they get up here and lead people in worship. Not, not just in this church, other churches too. I have seen it in this church, but other churches too. Amen. And, and people, you know, the praise team will start, and people will be like, Ah, you are great. Ah, ah. Right? But then, boy, their favorite song, come on. Shout for joy, all the earth. Worship Him, worship. Right? <laughs> Woo! My God, God's in this place. Then the next song comes on. That song just brings me down. That's getting in a rut. Am I helping you? Friendship is not enough for him to get out of bed and give him the loaves he wanted. He said, because he's my friend, because he's his friend, He's not going to get out of bed. Friendship just wasn't enough. Just because we're Christians and have a relationship with God doesn't guarantee that He's going to pour out His showers of blessings on us. Because He said He's His friend, but even though He knows it's His friend, He says, I'm in bed, got my kids with me, I can't get up. But what did the guy do? He kept knocking. His importunity. Do you see this? What caused him to answer the door was his importunity, his persistence. Charles Finney would go to God and he would say, Now, you don't think I'm going to be denied, do you? He said, I have come with your word. Don't think I'm going to be denied. I'm not going away empty-handed. Amen. He would go and he would say, Lord, now you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? That's importunity. I won't be denied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, see, we got to realize that. Just because we're word of faith and we have the word does not mean people are going to beat down our door to get here. We have to be persistent. We have to be persistent about what we believe about the way we pray, about the way we approach the things of God. Amen. Am I helping you? Where the Spirit of God is concerned, 
Our importunity, our persistence is what's going to bring the showers of blessings. I will not be denied. That's one of the songs we used to sing growing up. I will not be denied. I will not be denied. Since Jesus came and saved my soul, I would not be denied. Amen. Say it out loud. I will not be denied. Say this. I will have. The move of the Spirit in my life. Amen. What do we do? We simply pray till we know we have the answer. Sometimes we don't know enough about persistent prayer. Because especially in our circles, we have been taught so much about the prayer of faith. And believe that you receive. And when you pray, that's it. You believe you receive. Well, you do believe you receive. And once you believe you have received, that is it. You have it. But there's times you got to be persistent. you got to stay with it. You don't go back to God all the time and ask Him for the same thing you ask Him for. Once you ask for it, you believe you have received it. But there are things you've got to be persistent about. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, he said, what, what, what do you think the problem is with this people? I said, don't pray. They don't, they don't press into the things of God. There's no persistence about it. Folks, listen, listen. This whole, this, oh Lord, help me say this correctly. This, this whole concept, I, I, I hear people, I hear people say things. They'll see a preacher preaching and they'll say, yeah, he's old school. What does that mean? I mean, what does that mean? The principles that bring a move of God never change. They never change. Are you following me? It takes persistence in prayer. It takes persistence in the things of God. I will not be denied. I'm going to have what God said I could have. God brought us here. And he said, you're going to build faith and frame worlds by the word of God. You are going to do this. Little Rock is of strategic importance. Little Rock is strategic. So we're going to pray and we're going to believe and we're going to pray and we're going to believe and we're going to pray and we're going to believe and we're going to pray and we're going to believe and the showers of blessings will be poured out on us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask with your heart and your mind made up to prevail with God until you're through. I will prevail. You know, the the symbolism that we have for that is in the book of Genesis. And when Jacob was going, Esau had, they had sent word that Esau was coming to meet him. And Jacob spent the night there and wrestled with Jesus, wrestled with God. The Bible says Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ. But it said that concerning that place, it was a place where Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. Remember what he said? The Lord said, let me go because the day's breaking. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. 
Amen. Now, it's not that God could not have gotten loose whenever he wanted to. It was the persistence of Jacob. Did he get his blessing? He did. It's this sheer persistence. Look at James chapter 5. See, what I'm saying, and what I hope you're getting out of this, is that people will chase things instead of being persistent where they're at. Amen. You know, one of the things with most people that happens, the older you get is the more persistent you get. Because you get more stable, more solid. Amen. I mean, uh, 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 a teenager will start a job at whatever place and any little thing they want to go to another job quit that job go to another job quit that job go to another job no persistence well I need to make more money well you need to be persistent where you're at James 5 verse 16 notice this James says confess your faults one to another pray for one another that you may be healed The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Notice the effectual, fervent, white-hot prayer of a righteous man availeth much. King James says availeth much. Amplified Bible says makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Then it says this, Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions like as we are, and he prayed earnestly earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the context would be earnestly and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit amen Elijah was persistent in prayer and the result was heaven gave rain Do you see this? He was persistent in it. And what we want are those showers of blessing. They come to the persistent. They come to those that insist it happen in our life. And it insists this will be the hill of blessing. This will be where the Spirit of God will be poured out. Amen. He was persistent in praying. Hallelujah. Persistent. We taught Wednesday night about the move of God and the things God wants to move us into, being fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Ignited by the Spirit. Fired by the glory. But notice where it starts. Things being fueled by prayer. Amen. Brother Hagin talked about one time that there was a, a, a lady there in uh, uh, the plains of Texas and uh, uh, she would set her sights on different things. And, of course, they moved to a few cities and he said every city she moved into, she prayed revival down on that city. The churches, 
and, and they, they all had a, a get-together and dinner on the grounds and, 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 and all of this was going on. And they, they began to talk about her and ask where was she at. She's up in the house praying. Prayed revival down. Folks, I'm telling you something. The answer, the answer to the things that seem to be being withheld is to be persistent in the way you're praying and break them loose. You got to break them loose. Amen. Do you see that? Because being a person of prayer, listen, being a person of prayer, nobody is called to be a person of prayer specifically. We're all called to pray. People talk about, well, I'm an intercessor like it's a ministry gift. There's no such gift as the inter- of the intercessor. It's not in the Bible. Everybody's called to intercede. Everybody stands in the gap at some point. But when things seem to be stopped up, you got you to be persistent and shake them loose. Amen. I've taught for years on the different types of prayer. Every type of prayer doesn't work in every situation. That's like trying to play baseball rules, uh, baseball with football rules. It doesn't work. And so there are things you've just got to be persistent in. There are groanings in prayer. That you, you, you've just got to get to the place where you, Paul said in Galatians, my little children, in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. There are things that God wants to form in a church, things that God wants to form in your life, and what it takes is persistent, insistent prayer that this is going to happen in my life. And I'm going to pray till I see it. Amen. When the apostles in the book of Acts, we often refer to this when they, when they apply, uh, 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 brought the deacons on board. But I want you to notice something. It said, seek out seven men full of the Holy Ghost and power that we can place over this business because it's not meet that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And it said, we'll put them over this business and we will give ourselves to prayer and the study of the word. That's what we'll give ourselves to. Now notice what happened once the helps ministries got involved and the ministers gave themselves to prayer and the word of God. It says, and the word of God multiplied. Disciples were added to the church. Daily such as should be saved. Amen. When, when what? When, when the ministers were able to give themselves to prayer. Hallelujah. Persistent in prayer. Persistent in prayer. Glory to God. Do you see that? And what happened? The rain came. The heaven gave rain. Amen. A church that will be persistent in prayer will always grow. They'll always succeed. Amen. Always. Why? Because that's the fuel. That's the fuel. The Lord told me that years ago. A praying church will always be a growing church. Amen. 
And people say, well, you know, I just don't know if I'm called to pray. Well, now, come on. <laughs> Prayer is like anything else. You're not going to be good at it if you don't practice it. Amen. Amen. But persistent in prayer. Why is, that, why is that important? Folks, listen. The way things have always come are the way they'll always come. The way things have always come are the way they've always come. There's no shortcut. There's no short, or even in the days of social media, in the days of, of you know, you can, you can be nobody doing nothing and have 10,000 followers on a social media platform. Right? But to see a move of God, it comes the way it's always come. By people being persistent in prayer. Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Remember that's what Miss Pat said on one of our intros. She said, this place is a strong place. This place is a mighty place. There's mighty things in store for this place. She said, praying, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. If we as a body will begin to give ourselves to prayer, amen, when prayer times are called, if we'll show up and pray, there's things will change. But folks, you, you cannot have a time of prayer for a church body and four folks show up and expect for what God wants to do to affect everybody. You got to be persistent in prayer. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, I pray. But listen, listen. There's nothing like coming together with people of like precious faith and entering into prayer and saying, God, we're, we, are, we, are, we are determined to prevail here. We're determined, say it out loud, I'm determined to prevail. I'm determined to prevail. Hallelujah. Determined to prevail. Glory be to God. Amen. And I believe that we'll move to a new space in prayer. I believe that. As we're persistent. In prayer, because understand something, as a pastor, especially where leaders are concerned, I look and see if my leaders are in prayer meeting. If somebody says they have a call of God on their life, I look to see if they're in prayer meeting. Because I don't have prayerless preachers. If you can't come and pray, you can't come and preach. Why? Because I know what it took. The Lord told me, remember those three things I told you years ago at the very beginning of my ministry. The Lord said, you have to be able to hear from God directly in your own spirit. You have to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you have to be a man of prayer. Have to be. There's no, there's no substitute for that. And, 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 and I don't talk a lot about my prayer life. I just, I have a prayer life. That's what all of us are supposed to have a prayer life. And we have to be persistent in it. 
the most, the most, the most, the most change, the most, the most powerful thing you can do for your family, for the people in your life, is pray for them. Amen. I, I look at my life as a man of God and my sister's life. And uh, my sister and her husband pastor our Faith Builders Church in Raytown, Missouri. And you know, I can probably look back on my parents' life and see a thousand mistakes they made. But man, they prayed us into the kingdom. They kept us in the kingdom. Amen. I, I remember, I can remember being a little boy. And I mean just a little boy, the second, third grade. And, and my mother praying all night. Go, going going to, to meetings and praying. They had shifts at the church that we went to. They, 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 they prayed all day and all night. Shifts. Persistent prayer. Man, we saw things that God wanted to do. You know, Paul Yongi Cho pastored the world's largest church at one time. Probably is still, I think. But at one point, they, they, in, in, on Sunday, they had 750,000 people coming to the church. And they had services in Spanish, services in English, services in, in African dialects, Russian, all kinds of dialects. They'd have 100,000 people show up to pray. A man was preaching, was, was at a minister's conference one time. And the man that was preaching had about 8,000 members in his church, and that's nothing to sneeze at. But he had been there for three days, and at the end of that three days, he was letting them ask some questions. This man stood up, and he asked him, he said, he said, uh, uh, you've been teaching us, and, and we appreciate it, but you've not said anything about prayer. And the pastor kind of hurriedly was on his way out. He said, uh, uh, prayer is not what builds a church. And he just went on his way. Well, the man said, I was hurt by that. He said, but I was blessed because a few months later, Dr. Cho was with us. And I was able to drive him around. And his, this man was a, a young Bible student. And he asked him, he said, Dr. Cho, he said, uh, uh, you probably hear this a lot. He said, but what's the secret to building? Can you tell me the secret to building a church like that? And he said, yes, I can. He said, I'll give you three points that are the secret. He said, oh, what are they? He said, pray, pray, and pray. That's it. Pray, pray, and pray. Every major event that you see in the New Testament that occurred was either followed by or either preceded by or occurred in the midst of prayer. Everyone. The Holy Spirit fell in an atmosphere of prayer. Paul and, and, and uh, uh, Barnabas were commissioned into their ministry in an atmosphere of prayer. Over and over again you see that. Hallelujah. So the programs, the systems, it's not what builds a church or grows a church. It's not what produces revival. Am I boring you all with this? Understand that. That when, 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 when you see a vibrancy in a church, Sit back and ask yourself, is that a spiritual vibrancy or a natural vibrancy? 
Because the atmosphere can be electric because of the entertainment. But nobody's life gets changed. Is it a spiritual vibrancy? Because where there's a spiritual vibrancy, there's liberty and freedom. And that's what we want. That's what we desire. Amen. Glory to God. Do, do you see that? So, Father, we thank you tonight. And we are just determined to be persistent in those things that you've asked us to be persistent in. Namely, in prayer, expecting from you. Hallelujah. So we thank you for it. Oh, glory be to God.